You're listening to Have the Conversation Podcast, a podcast centered around mental health, wellness, and everything in between. My name is Kala. And I'm Leanne. We're sitting down with everyday people to talk about life and the lessons they've learned, all in an effort to connect and stay encouraged. Hey guys, it's Cal. I first came to know this week's guest, Julianne, in the fall of 2018, in the beginning of my plant-based advocacy work. She was and still is someone who I look up to and admire because her heart is always wide open and her genuine compassion for the healing process is infectious. After listening, be sure to visit ladynow.com for a full list of courses and offerings from Julianne. Enjoy this conversation. So I went to go like look up what all you were working on and I was like blown away with all the different things that you're doing right now. Yeah, if I could like do every thought I've ever had, I would, I would, I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever actually get it all done. (laughs) I just try to do as much as I can with the time that I have and really trying to stay focused on what's needed right now while also being able to pivot. Yeah. We've all been learning. Yes. That's the like key term right now. (laughs) So what happened? Doing since all of this has started, like what's changed for you with quarantine and Corona and everything? Mm-hmm. Good question. So I found at first I was mainly focused on like educating about cannabis and then how does that lead you to more of the gateway of yoga and spirituality and that self healing and connection. Whereas now I'm like, I just want to talk so much about the self. Like, what is that? How do we get there? Who really are you? What do you need? Like, what are your habits? What are your behaviors? What are your addictions? Really getting to the authentic self that I find has been now my main focus. And within that can be cannabis as well. Yeah, it all ties together, doesn't it? Yeah, or maybe you're using it as medicine, but it can just be part of your lifestyle as well. So I've really been focusing, almost like flipped my focus on that and focusing on how do I bring this online whereas before I was doing so much in person and then online was just kind of more by appointment and now I'm creating courses taking my online content zoom has been amazing I love zoom so much (laughs) love zoom Leanne do you feel like you're looking in a mirror because she had to do the same thing she had to pivot her whole business and move her clients online too I did. I did. I'm Zoom training my Canadian aunt, actually. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, I love it. It's so funny because before all this started, I've, I've thought about, like, now I have a website since Cal has helped me during quarantine and stuff. And before just thinking about going online, it just, the thought of Zoom training was like a joke to me. I, I mm-hmm. never, I was like, how awkward, like I could not, it, it just like felt painful to even think about something like that. But then, you know, you're forced into a corner and you just give it a shot. And it's like, it's been a game changer for me. So I'm, I mean, on both ends, on the training end and on this, this is so helpful for us too, to be able to do a podcast like this. For sure. I'm totally grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where are you right now? In, like in Canada, where are you at? Cause I feel like you moved since the last time we talked. Yeah. So I'm mainly like between two provinces. I'm between Cape Breton Island, Nova Scotia and Fredericton, New Brunswick. I'm between those two places. Sometimes in one for two weeks and the other for two weeks or in one, one week and the other one week or just changing up being in each as we can, depending on like work wise or just life wise. But eventually we're going to just be in Cape Breton Island in Nova Scotia. That's where we're working towards just eventually being there. So what's out there for you? What do you enjoy about that area? Mm -hmm. I'm from Lunenburg, Nova Scotia and my love, he's from Cape Breton himself so once we got together I'm not sure why my family has never traveled to the other side of Nova Scotia which is Cape Breton and everyone's so intense they're like no I'm from Nova Scotia you're from Cape Breton Cape Breton is Nova Scotia it's like one of those hilarious things so for some reason like we just had never traveled on that side so when we first got together like he took me to Cape Breton and I was like 
whoa, like the energy is different here. Like when you cross the bridge, it's like something just falls off your shoulders. Oh, I love that. Your heart feels so good. So I obviously fell in love with the place and my partner's from there. So then he started a cannabis operation there to become a producer to grow medical cannabis under Health Canada approved regulations. So he's in the process of doing that. And we also have a property that's off grid in the woods, 140 acres, and we're going to change it into a retreat for veterans with PTSD and for their spouses. So that's... Oh my gosh! nothing major that you guys are doing or anything like that. That's- yeah. So my partner's a veteran. Right. So he obviously has a lot of experience in knowing what they need. And right now what Veterans Affairs provides doesn't include what we call like the four pillars of healing. They may include like in Veterans Affairs part of the first pillar, which is treatment, mm-hmm. but they tell you, where you need to go and all those people work for them. Whereas we're like, here's the people that can help you. They will still cover your treatment. That's phase one. Like phase two is then doing yoga and sound healing and Reiki. And then pillar three is going out in nature and finding those retreats. It's more of like the maintenance plan while you're still doing the treatment paired with holistic healing. Mm-hmm. And of course, number one medicine we always recommend is cannabis. <laughs> but of course, you can be on pharmaceuticals, but a lot of their stories are they're going from 12 pills a day to one or none and just using cannabis. So providing that education, getting them on the right medicine, getting things covered for them, and getting them through the other pillars of natural healing. And then pillar four is reshaping purpose. So going from this is who you need to be and this is your identity, you are this, to now, again, coming back to the self and what actually is your purpose and what does that look like now? Because there's a lot of grief with all that. So combining pillars into a retreat setting, um, getting like therapists to help us, with follow-up after that. And we aren't looking for Veterans Affairs to help us at this point because we don't have to follow any of their guidelines if we want to do what we know is right. But eventually, if they did open up something as part of their treatment that's like, hey, we'll cover a retreat anywhere in Canada, we'd be happy to say, hey, we're one of those people if you want to send people here. So it's kind of like a Mm -hmm. slow process because in the meantime, my partner's creating a charity to help fund this, to bring veterans there. By the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But that's like the big idea. And there's so much in Cape Breton for that, like the hiking and the people are so nice and the restaurants and actually a lot of healers are there which a lot of people don't know that and I know enough people that would drive like the six hour distance to come there and help so that's our main focus and why we want to live there and kind of create our own space whether it's a tiny home or a house maybe a home for us as well amongst all that oh my gosh that sounds amazing And you've been, you've been actively working on this for years, and it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, four years since I've been with him. And for him, it's been, I'd say, like since 2013. He's been building, a, like, the medical cannabis clinics is how it started because there was no education, especially for veterans. And no one knew that Veterans Affairs covered 10 grams a day for veterans they were only told you take these pills and that's it so my partner was taking the 12 pills a day and was like a zombie and was actually then having suicidal thoughts and was on the couch and he was to the point that he was like well I'm gonna kill myself his sister was on medical cannabis for a tumor and she was like you should try it. you should try it he was so against it finally he tried it and he was like whoa, what is this feeling? Like, this is the first time I've ever felt normal in my life. Dedicated years of traveling all over the world, meeting doctors and finding, like, why does this work for PTSD and what is cannabis? 
finding out that Veterans Affairs will cover this medicine for you and just being in the connections, creating a clinic, like from one person showing up to knocking on doors, like, hey, this is what I have available. I can help you. And by word of mouth. And then it's spread now to 13 clinics across Canada. And yeah. he took all his proceeds from selling that because like he says, he doesn't have a business degree. He just is a guy that graduated in grade 12 and went to the military. So we have people now that we call that wear the suits or like the people in suits. <laughs> we don't know all that stuff. And he took his proceeds from the sale and has created the charity instead of like keeping the proceeds for himself. And that's really where our heart is, is more on that extended care of that real connection and not feeling like you don't have anyone again. And for me, I grew up with cannabis just like that was normal. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. What was your cannabis story? My dad used it instead of opiates. Uh, he had a couple back surgeries. He had fallen out of a tree on his back and a bunch of different things. And so the doctors wanted to put him on opiates. And he's like, no, I'm not going on opiates. I know the side effects of that. I'm not doing it. And he had been growing cannabis since he was 16. He is now almost 61. So... <laughs> He's been growing forever. So I, he was just like, all right, well, I'm just going to grow this more and use this as medicine instead of just recreational, like he was using it. So that's when I started seeing like, oh, he's using it for pain. Oh, his best friend's using it for cancer because he can't get a prescription. So I was seeing it used that way. But then I also seen it used as like, yes, we're having a beer and smoking a joint. We're laughing. So I seen both. But I grew up with it just being more normal, and I started using it as a teenager for my anxiety. I had a lot of health issues um, that led me to question why am I having all these health issues. Cannabis was really helping me with my digestion and my immune system. Mm -hmm. So it was just normal for me. But I had I knew the stigma. Like I couldn't just tell everyone that I was using this. I didn't have a prescription. So coming to New Brunswick. I was still using cannabis. Again, only a few people knew, but I was teaching yoga one day and a student came in smelling like the best cannabis ever. And I was like, how are you just walking around like normal? Like I want to do this and I want to know what that smell is. I was doing what I called ditch weed at the time. <laughs> So they're like, oh, well, there's this thing called marijuana for trauma and it helps veterans. And I was like, oh, well, I want to teach a yoga class to them for free. So that's when I first heard my partner's name was Fabian Henry, the founder of Marijuana for Trauma. And that's how I met him and the rest of the veterans and how I started helping them in kind of those heart ways. But then I started learning about cannabis. Like I didn't know what indica was. I didn't know what sativa was. I didn't know any of this stuff. So I learned so much from them. And then me and my partner got together and we've just been kind of combining our passions and our purposes. And this is where we're at now. It's like such a love story on so many levels. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like so obsessed and in love with him. Like every day I'm just like, oh my God. I love it. Oh, that's Amazing. I know. They're one of those couples that you see and you're like, they're supposed to be together. <laughs> Thank That's, you. Yeah, no, it's really, really cool. That's so interesting, though, like the similarities, Cala, between y'all's stories. Yeah. Well, Julianne's was the first podcast I ever did. And like, look how funny it is, you know, all these years later when I was just a little like microdosing mama back in the day when I wouldn't even show my face, you know? But we all have like that evolution of something changes your life so much and you have to talk about it. And then it keeps kind of like unfolding itself into you until you do realize what that passion and purpose is. And I think it's a great thing. How can you not be all for it? But yeah, our, our stories are pretty similar. <laughs> and that's it's like removing all those layers, like even with you. Like, yeah. Well, this is what I was told. Like, this is what a mom is. And this is in my community how I need to be perceived as like, cause you don't want to feel alone. You don't want to be an outcast. You're not really ready to be different yet. And then, you know, it just like clicks inside of you. Like 
this is me and I need to start telling other people what my life is and what has changed and how things work so I can help someone else. Yeah, that's exactly it. No, that's exactly it. I think of like all those times, like when I randomly would decide to like openly talk about it back in the day, you know, I, there were so many funny moments that just happened of like me and like two other women who I did not know crying about it in a dentist's office like that was one moment or like you know at like a horse stable with my daughter like it just it would randomly come up and people want an answer they want something different than than opiates and they want to heal they want to like live their lives and how can you not talk about it or at least inform people on you know something that helped you I totally get that yeah. And I like now that it is being embraced as part of a lifestyle. Like I still have a couple of mom friends who are like, Oh, I wait till the kids go to bed and I like run downstairs and it's like still the hiding. And, but I like that now it can, yes, just be a part of your lifestyle just as naturally as like saying you're vegan or I'm a vegetarian. Like I use cannabis. Like it should just be something that's natural. Yeah. And that's just a part of our life. And something that we do and it works and feels good. And so I'm glad things are slowly moving in that direction that it can be medicine. It can just be a part of your life, depending on your day. It's just more like normalizing that this is something we can embrace and feel safe talking about. Yeah, I completely agree. How, um, how has things changed for, for good or bad? I am curious about both um, with legalization. Mm-hmm. Good question. So I found like it has really changed a lot, like business wise or medical patients are still medical patients. I have found that like, so here it's called cannabis NB okay. and each province is called something different. So in Nova Scotia, it's the NS- NSLC, which is the liquor store with an attachment of cannabis. So in every province, they've kind of done their own thing with legalization so here I find I've only been in Cannabis NB once, but I know a lot of people that go in there and they always say, uh, I asked the person at the front desk, they didn't really know what to tell me because like you're looking for an outcome, like whether it's, I just want to have a nice time with my friends tonight or like I have pain, I heard CBD works and they don't really know how to guide them because they haven't been trained to do that. Oh, Wow. So there's a lot of that's scary. <laughs> that yes, exactly. So there's a lot of no help in that way. Whereas a medical patient, you get that help now. So I find like that is lacking for legalization. And I find like a lot of licensed producers are being affected in the sense that before they were medical focused. So all medical patients were like guaranteed quality. You could log on. Here's your strains, but they don't want to miss out on the rec market. So they're almost like taking some of the strains away from medical patients and creating almost like two portals. So now if you're a medical patient, you can't have access to everything. You can only have access to these things. So now there's this gap in care of helping the medical patients with lowering the quality of what they're providing them to now also service the rec market because, yeah, so it's like, so you don't want to miss out on money, which I understand that's like a shareholders thing. But then there's like this lack of balance for the patient. But coming to terms with is, or is it still worth being a medical patient? Yes, it is. Because if you have a prescription, you're guaranteed to log on the website with whatever LP you choose, which is a licensed producer, and get your medicine. Whereas you find a strain today that has worked for you and you're going to use it for the next three weeks. And then you go back to cannabis NB and now they don't have it. Well, too bad. Like they may never get it again. So it's like, if you're going to be someone that's using it recreationally, like you really just want to be someone that's like, Oh, I bought a couple gummies or, Oh, I had this strain that'll last me months. Like you really just kind of want to be using it here and there, not, trying to self-diagnose or use it without having to get the prescription. So I find it has changed people's options and the conversation about it. And it's changed a little bit for the worse for medical patients accents, like access, but it's still worth being a medical patient and the traveling with it. 
to go with each province. If you have a prescription, you can take it with you. If you don't, like you can't be traveling with it in your vehicle or flying with it. So there's still pros and cons. Yeah, it sounds like a few kinks to work out, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And now I just read in the paper today that Cannabis NB may be getting bought. Like this was a government thing. Now maybe getting bought by a licensed producer. So <laughs> can we get some direction? <laughs> I know. And I'm like, but the company buying it is a medical, like, approved by Health Canada company. So I'm like, I don't know. What yeah, what's going on there? Plan is. Yeah, I think that they opened too soon and didn't have enough product available. So now people aren't actually going recreational and they've actually lost money. So now I think they're hoping if someone who grows it can run these shops, which does seem like that may be better. But yeah, I don't think they really thought it through fully before they opened. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like anytime like a new state here gets legalized, it's the same. I mean, it's the same thing. It just takes years to just kind of work itself out. And I don't think that it ever, it hasn't yet because we, we just don't know. There hasn't been that much time passed. But Leanne, where's your family at in Canada? They're in Newmarket, so just north of Toronto. Okay, yeah. I've never been there. Like, I know Brampton, Ontario, so my friend lives there. I've been to Toronto, but it's so big. Yeah, uh, it really Ontario. is. Yeah, and it's growing. Every time I go, it's different. So uh, we moved from there when I was seven, and then we've been okay. here. Yeah, so I miss it up there. I was joking. I think we were talking about it with Steve Calla. When I went up there last, it was in October, and so all the leaves were changing, and like, fall here and so beautiful yeah I was taking videos of like the trees <laughs> and my cousins are like oh, you can stop now like you're like no it's a miracle like look at it <laughs> yeah but I, I do love it I'm, I'm very proud to be Canadian so <laughs> perfect I love that but when you were uh, when you were talking about knowing yourself and how kind of the parts of that you mentioned yoga I would love to hear like your yoga story like how you got into yoga found yoga and what it's done for you mm -hmm. I feel like this is probably my favorite story to oh good all right I'm gonna get comfortable <laughs> well so I'm from a small town in Lunenburg Nova Scotia so like we had no internet we had no cable like Everything is really like way small. I call it like small mind, small town. So I had no idea what yoga was. And like the only idea I ever had of yoga was like maybe being at the grocery store, seeing a magazine that might have said like yoga, something on it of like a celebrity. So I'm just thinking like yoga is like you need to be cool. You have to wear Lululemon. Like you need to eat granola. <laughs> I'm from like meat and potatoes, so I don't eat granola at the time. I love granola now, but, but at the time, I'm like, I just eat meat and potatoes, and like salad is lettuce, tomato, and onion. Like, I don't know any of this stuff. So I get out of my small town to go to Halifax, which is the city there, to go to school. And one of the girls that I end up getting to know that we kind of sat at the same table with was talking about yoga and she would tell me about it all the time. And so one day she's like, Julian, I think you'd really like yoga. Like you, you have your personality. I think you'd really appreciate yoga. You'd really like it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, no way am I going to do yoga. And I kept putting it off and putting it off. So finally there was like the studio she went to had a, you could bring a friend for free so I was like, okay, I'll go with you because you're always talking to me about it and I like trying new things. So I go and we get there and she's like, so this is Bikram. <laughs> it's 90 minutes. Oh no. <laughs> it's a what? She's like, yeah, like, and you can't leave the room. And I hope you brought water. And if you, you know, if you can't get through all the poses, just lay on the ground. I would have just started there. <laughs> what? 90 minutes? Like, that feels like eternity. 
So I was like, okay, I'm already here now. So I go in and it was hard to get. <laughs> I, I can only imagine. That would be my worst nightmare. And I'm like thinking, why did she bring me to this for my first time? Yeah. Like I could have went to like a YMCA yoga class. Yeah. <laughs> it seems kind of cool. <laughs> so I remember being in the room and it was like packed. Like my mat was almost touching someone else's. And like I was in the back because I obviously didn't want to be in the front. But like the woman was on a, I don't want to say a pedestal, but it was like, no, but like a platform type thing. Yeah. yeah platform square thing and she was like talking like it was a script so I was like okay like this kind of all is strange and there were a lot of times I had to lay down but at the end leaving the class I was like whoa I've never looked at the leaves this way on the trees before like I've never felt so clear and so calm like I liked how I felt yeah but I knew there was things about it that I didn't like but that was like my first I want to see like moment of adding to awakening of being like, there was something like something just happened there. And at the time I was in a relationship I shouldn't have been in. It had run its course, but we were living together. And I remember just going home and usually I'd be like mad and anxious feeling. And I was just like, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> All these things are just like almost like so outside of me. And I just found these different ways of coping and really started like finding who I was. So I Googled like every yoga studio in Halifax and Dartmouth area, all the yoga teachers. I made a list and I was like, I'm going to get to all the studios. I'm going to try different teachers. I'm going to find what I like. So I kept doing that. And one day I went to a studio on Quinpool Road, it's called, and it was a substitute. So it wasn't even the teacher that I thought was going to be teaching the class. But it was a teacher I never had. And as soon as she was like 10 minutes into the class, I was like, yeah, this is wow. what I've been looking for. Because she taught yoga, but she included like a theme at the beginning of each class. So the theme, she would say what it is. But then she would have this like totally different way of saying how it connects to you as an individual, but then to you with the people in the room and you and like community or the universe, like the bigger picture. So right away, you're already starting out class being like, whoa, like mm -hmm. really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say what else do you got? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like that was really great. You just basically like helped you through a lot of shit there. And <laughs> through the class, she uses her cueing for each pose or like every couple of poses and intertwines the theme. So instead of just like going into the pose, she's like adding the words. So you're like opening your heart to celebrate or like reach your arms up in this and you're like really embodying what the theme was and adding that to open the body and then she is different cueing about like okay picture like the back of your heart now imagine my hand here like without her actually touching you so you're like oh I've never actually like connected to my physical body yeah. in this way before like oh yeah if I if I do do that with my hip wow like this is a totally different warrior than I've ever been in. And then at the end, she does like the actual extended Shavasana. It's not like rushed one minute. Mm -hmm. Actual like good 10 minutes. Yes. And then she walks you out of it and you meet seated. And then she'll end the class with this theme. And so again, you leave just being like, holy, like I got all of this out of one class. Like it wasn't just a physical practice. And then that for me was like, okay, like, tell me who you did your training. I want to do this. <laughs> like, Oh, wow. It was that impactful. Yeah. I was like, I don't need to go to any other yoga class. Like, where are you? Where, where do you teach? That's amazing. I've got to ask, do you remember the theme from that day? That day was, um, it was called Heart Centering and Celebration. So everything was coming back to like the heart and then she opened, used poses to like open the heart with the cueing and she would say things like, trust the space in behind you that you can't see. 
which like you can't see behind you, but in life, like you're always scared of what you can't see. So you're like trusting in the unknown, embodying it in your practice. And then like, whoa, I could take this off my mat and be like, remember how much I opened my heart and that felt so good. Well, I can trust life a lot more now because I learned from that experience. And so the, I was supposed to do the training with the teacher that had taught her, but it didn't work out. So she actually created her own training and I did it with her. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was just like five of us. It was like super small, the first training she ever did. And I just learned so much from it. And it was a lot of work, like more work than like, I don't want to say like a regular yoga training, but you had to learn a lot about the body, like the way muscles wrap around the bones and learning the language. And for me, I just loved it because then I could like read books that I read or take a life experience that I just had. And I'd be like, okay, like today we're going to go from this quote that I read and we're going to embody it into this. And since then I've done lots of other trainings, but that was my journey really into it. And then really being able to feel my physical body, I became so in tune that all the health issues I was having, I was like, oh, like maybe my body's trying to tell me something. And then that's when I learned about like the chakras and what is energy and what I could eat in a different way than what I was. Like maybe this meat thing isn't what I should be doing every day. So then that's when I started healing so many things that I would have had to have surgery, but I never had to have surgery or like stopped all the pills, finding this new way of being. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Being like, this is what happened to me. And whether you're from a small town or from a big city, (laughs) you can find like what works for you, but coming from listening to your own voice, not having to always find that reassurance about what to do outside of you. Oh, that's so good. That's yeah, so that's fulfilling. So, so that's why I'm like, we need to teach about the self now. Like, that's why I'm like so into that. And especially during COVID, like people can't go gambling for like two months. Like, let's think about what's going on with yourself. Here. <laughs> <laughs> like all the distractions you couldn't go and do and you're really like stuck inside or even couples we know that were like, you know, like we really struggled. Like we haven't been in the same house together for this yeah. long period of time. And, you know, rediscovering yourself, rediscovering each other. And I think everything just comes from like that saying that's cheesy, but everything comes from within. And it does when you can like hear your own inner voice, like trust your gut trust what you have to say and find the support you need to get there. That's amazing. And it's essentially what you and Fabian are doing too on with the vets and stuff. It's so cool how you guys are tying everything together. It's really beautiful. And we love, like we say all the time, like we now love the inner work. Like I still do my own individual therapy. I have a therapist. He has his own individual therapist. We just started couples therapy because we've been on a wait list forever. And there was like a certain kind of couples therapy that I wanted to do that's emotionally focused, not just like conventional therapy. So just being able to like put ourselves in the practice all the time is what I think is so important. Like even my therapist, I'm like, what do you do? (laughs) What do you do for yourself? Like, what is your practice? And she's like laughing her head off. And I'm like, do you still do trainings? Like, do you do your own therapy? Like I want to be with the people that are actually I'm reading a book about that right now actually what is it I want to read it it's called um you should talk to somebody okay it's a therapist account about her therapy and the crossover between it all with her patients and and her own personal journey it's you'd probably really like it I would love that and like I always said like as a teacher like I'm always going to be a student too like all my themes come from my own life. <laughs> yeah. Well, they have to. I mean. Yeah. Like, they're like, so how did you get to like that conclusion? How did you learn that? I'm like, well, that's what happened in my life. And that's what I learned and put this into practice. So like just always being in the practice ourselves and continuously like what we call being a continued learner. Mm-hmm. allowing that practice to be what guides you to then be like the best guide or the best teacher and being vulnerable enough to say that 
yeah, we're always going to be learning. Like, I don't know if a master exists. I don't even know if I like that word. <laughs> I like hearing that, oh, you had a lot of experience in something so you can teach it. But there's like this notion that there's this image that you need to get to, whereas maybe that doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that so speaks right to me. Yeah, I dealt with a lot of that the last like year. Wouldn't you say, Leanne? <laughs> I mean, it was a lot of what is important to me? Is this really what I want? To, is this how I want to be seen? And it was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to be the master of anybody. I don't want anybody to come to me and think that I have all the answers because that would be horrific. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? I really struggled with that for a long time. Mm-hmm. So you probably really like too while we're talking about books is the new one by Glennon Doyle and Team. Okay. <laughs> You're now the fourth person to tell me that. <laughs> Remember, Leanne, we were talking about that. Okay, we're gonna have to add that because you do a book club too, don't you? I do, yeah. And so next month's book is that, but I already kind of started reading it because I was so excited. And one of the things is one of the chapters is called Ghosts. And that's what it talks about, like living up to this image that you think exists. That's perfect. And it's like, well, if I don't believe in that ghost, then I'm never haunted because I'm just me. Right? <laughs> that's so good. I feel like that would probably be my theme in like a yoga class next. <laughs> yeah. Is it a specific type of yoga that you practice now? I don't really call it by name, but in training, my first 200 hours was called Hatha Aligned Yoga. Okay. That's what it is called. Um, But for me, I just call it yoga. Or if it's something specific like Yoga Nidra, I will advertise that because it's different. But when people ask me, like, well, what is it like to come to your class? I will explain, like, It's really about the self, like everyone's a beginner here, whether it's someone that's been here forever. Um, It's always like slowing the process down, using those cueings, finding your breath, and really emphasizing that those pictures that we see as a yoga pose is really just an image and a name. Like you, the body and the self are what makes up your own expression of the pose. So really telling them like to let go of those expectations before coming into class and to see then what is really there for you and on your mat. Yoga has really helped me with that a lot too. Like in terms of listening to your body instead of just trying to be perfect. My background is in swimming, which like form is everything. And then in lifting that I'm teaching people all day long, it's like also form is everything. Cause if you lift something wrong, you're going to get injured. So I always do. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd always do these poses and try to look exactly like the teacher. And, um, you know, if you can see yourself in the mirror, for me, it was very distracting. Cause I would just be very, uh, just hard on myself, you know, if I couldn't get to a specific point or, and then I got the, the yoga glow app. Have you mm. heard? I, I love it. And so now I've, I've been doing yoga in my, uh, I turn the lights off in my little workout room and then just put a salt lamp on and do it from my phone. And since I don't have a mirror to stare at, I just like kind of stopped caring, you know, and, and I just like kind of close my eyes and listen to my body and there is not much that feels better than just like sinking into stretches and like you like kind of have a conversation with your body of like, can I push further? No, no, no. Maybe stay there. Or like, maybe you should twist this way to help release this. Like that's helped me so much just connect and, and not abuse myself essentially. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Yeah. And I like that you say that about like always remembering that it- it doesn't have to be what that looks like. Cause I've actually left a yoga training that was supposed to be a month long that I spent like um, over $5,000 for, and then $5,000 for staying in the area. I left on the second day <gasps> I'd get my money back because I was like, I can't teach like that. I will never tell someone, no, like y- you need to put your hand here and your knee needs to go here. Yeah. Like, that's not realistic. And, but that's what they wanted. It was like, no, it needs to just be like this. Like you follow the script. That's how it needs to go. It's these poses and that's how it's saying. And I was like, I 
can't teach like that. And I don't want my students to feel like that. This isn't me. And so that's so important. I feel like for students or just for anyone to know, like you aren't doing it wrong. I think that's like yoga can be or look intimidating for people because they think it has to be like that, but it doesn't like if your knee can only open that far, then that's perfect. Your hip can only go this way. That's great. And like, there's people, I did a training for um, trauma sensitive yoga and one day was focused on like if someone was in a wheelchair, how would you teach that pose? Well, their poses are going to look totally different, but you're embodying the feeling. Like if you shift your hip this way and your shoulder this way and your arm here with your gaze here, well, that's like a triangle pose standing, Yeah. but but it's a feeling and you're doing that pose. So I always come back to that. Like, it's really just like, what's the feeling and how does your body express it instead of looking or fulfilling this image, which I know it's just for yoga, but it kind of feels like for life. How everyone thinks they need to be fulfilling an image. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of like what I was thinking because it's so empowering to feel comfortable in a weird position. Like, you know, you look weird, but you're like owning it and you're listening to what it feels good for within your body. And then you just, you're doing it and you do it a bunch of times. And then it kind of carries out into the rest of your life. Like you just feel more, I guess it's centered isn't the word, but just maybe like just comfortable with yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being comfortable with yourself. That's a great way of saying it. It always comes back to the self, doesn't it? <laughs> and that's, that's what I wanted to ask you too. So you were talking about is your Instagram know thyself. Is that what it is? Yeah, so it's like actually and now underscore, but like the word under it is know thyself. Because I really believe that like if you know yourself and if you know how powerful you are and what that power is, like no one can throw you you off your game. Like you're not going to ever be persuaded into something maybe that you don't want to do, whether it's a job or a career or a partner or friends or anything. Like if you knew yourself fully, you couldn't be persuaded in that way. If you know yourself fully, you're going to be able to speak up for yourself, whether people agree with it or not. And be in so much conviction that like you don't need to defend and you don't need to persuade them. It's just, that's what it is because that's who you are, which is everything. So when you know this power, you really, I don't want to say you know everything, but you're a part of everything. So you're already connected to this intuition. You're Mm -hmm. already connected to the self, which is, like I said, which is everything. So you can trust yourself again. I just feel like the world has taught us not to trust ourselves, whether it's women or like a man not being able to trust his emotions or being told in school, like, these are the things you need to do to get to point A or B, and then you need a mortgage. You know, it's almost like you need to trust us, which is like the outside world and system instead of trusting yourself. Or maybe you need a second opinion from a doctor instead of just trusting the first one. You would trust your gut and know to go and look somewhere else or start Googling, like, is there other practitioners? Is there another way? Like, what is the new way of consciousness, of knowing the self and your power and letting that guide you instead? So what would you say then is step one for someone to get to know themselves? I think like just being willing. (laughs) Yeah. Being willing to get to know that there is another way or to like trust that little inner voice or sometimes like it is, you do have to get to the breakdown. Like sometimes you do have to get there in order to ask questions or to have something shown to you, but it's like being willing and like starting to ask, just starting to put it out there and seeing, Oh, the next phone call, is it your friend suggesting something that you're like, oh my God, that is totally what I was just thinking of or what I was asking. Like just being willing is the first step to know that like something else is at play here and is working on your behalf. So I think that's the first step 
being open to like what you're shown. Um, like my friend there telling me to go to yoga. <laughs> I kept saying no. And then I was like, okay, she got the free pass. So I'm going to go. <laughs> Out of excuses. We got to go. And then it's Bikram. <laughs> but the whole time here I was asking with all my health issues for a way to be healed, but I just kept walking it. Whereas instead I could have just been like, Hey, maybe this is a way like, so just being conscious of like what else is being shown to you and getting to the point that you are putting yourself in new experiences and trusting the process as you go and being shown from there. Yeah. It's so true. So, so true. You've done retreats, though, in the past, right? Mm-hmm. What are those retreats like? Mm-hmm. So we've done, like, two different kinds. <clears throat> One we call a gathering. So a gathering is, like, less structured. But we have the intention of, like, these are some of the things that we're going to do while you're here over these few days. Um, and that works really well um, on location, depending on the location. Um, also with veterans, I find sometimes they like having an outline, so they're not surprised, but they don't want it to be too structured. And then getting back into that, like, well, I have to do this thing. And then that's triggering and there's not enough alone time. And so some of them we call gatherings with, a, with an intention of these are the things that we're offering you while you're here. And they can be a little bit more laid back as well. Like maybe we don't have supper planned out every night like maybe on that day we're just deciding what does everyone want to do and then we've done a different one here in new brunswick where we had a log home and there were 16 of us including me and my partner and that was laid out over three days and that has schedule with the option that like yes if you don't want to participate during something you don't have to but it was more laid out with here's yoga in the morning i mean a lot of new experiences like here's acupuncture or here's reiki providing a safe environment within that setting to offer these modalities and then to have time to reflect and have art therapy, more different kinds of yoga and relaxation. So that was more of a scheduled retreat at that time. What, what is Reiki? <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, that's, we were talking about this the other day, Leanne. I was like, I want her to explain what this is because it, when I was feeling so many things throughout my own body, like with yoga and, and learning more, the, when I was trying to Google what I was feeling, the only thing that would come back was Reiki that was somewhat in line with what I was feeling in my body. So can you explain to us what that is? Mm-hmm. So like in like the training manuals, or if you were to Google it, it's like life force energy is what Reiki stands for. So when you do a training as a practitioner, you're just getting attuned to the universal energy so you can be a vessel so it flows through you. And you're working with the patient, the client, with their inner healer to provide the healing so I can't like force the energy to go somewhere I'm just allowing it to flow through me and then the person is open to receiving because if they aren't open to receiving it won't work but they're open to receive the energy and through their body and it goes wherever it needs to go so for me like I could be up at their head with my hands hovering that's usually where I start because it adds to relaxation but that energy could also go to, say, an injured knee or if you have something wrong with your stomach or a different part of the body. It's going to go wherever it needs to go. It's super gentle. It's really relaxing. Some people say it feels like electricity through the body or it could be more heated or you may get really cold because sometimes when you go into that deep healing, it can get cold. Um, as the person receiving, cause I've also been on that end, I will sometimes like just have thoughts or images and I'm like, why am I having that thought? But it could be something that needed to pass or be processed. Uh, you can come in and out of sleep cause it's relaxing for me as the practitioner. I also offer afterwards um, what I call a reading. So during it, I'm open to doing readings. So I'll ask for their guides to come in. And afterwards, I'll just have a discussion like this is what I felt. 
energetically. This is what I saw in my third eye. What does this mean to you? And we have a conversation. So then that can lead to maybe another session or maybe there's something they took away from that that, oh, wow, I didn't even know that was something that I was holding on to or yeah, maybe I need to talk about the grief from like my dad passing, just like different things that maybe they didn't want to talk about because we're not talking during the session. It's just their eyes are closed. I'm hovering over them, moving the energy around. Um, and yeah, usually they go in and out of sleep. I have had times where like, they'll cry or yeah, it's uh, such a deep healing. Yeah. yeah, like there's a different sensation going through the body. Um, and I find there's, I don't want to say like old school, but there can be structure and everything. So I find a lot of trainings will say like, you have to go in person to get the attunement and you have to do the 21 day homework afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, if you want to do some of this homework afterwards, you can but really just like self-practice it on yourself and like ask your friend. Like that's the best yeah. way that you're going to start learning is actually doing it. Not, not eating meat for 21 days afterwards. Like all those things are, yeah, that's nice. And you can add to the spiritual experience, but I don't want people to get caught up in like, again, you need to be a certain way to receive Reiki. It's more of it's universal energy that is there for all of us because we are connected to it. It's kind of like you're surrendering to let the divine in at that time to do what it needs to do. Wow. And, and that's what I was going to ask you as a practitioner. Does it feel different every time? Like you say, you explain your feelings you get and, and things that come oh, in. That's good. What does it feel? Yeah. Like sometimes it can be like even heavy for me because I am like tuning into them. Um, like for instance, I had one client who I was like, oh my gosh, like there's so much grief around her heart and then her like this I was getting this feeling that like she doesn't want people to know really what she's going through because she's scared of losing herself and I was getting a lot of male energy in the room so when I told her she started crying and she's like oh yeah like my husband just died like a week ago unexpectedly and I'm like how the heck are you in a Reiki session <laughs> I would have been able to get out of my house. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do anything if that was me. And she's like, oh, and then my father died a few years ago from this. And then my best friend and all this grief of all these males she had lost. And the fear was like, I don't want people to feel bad for me. So I'm trying to live my life normally, but then also in denial because it was so unexpected that she hadn't really grasped like, yeah, he's not coming back and you're gonna go through a lot but in the end maybe you're gonna be a teacher that helps other people process grief when they lose their husbands like there's a new way coming for you and yes the cost is letting go of the way you have been living because your life is forever changed wow mm -hmm. and other times it can be light like one time i was like oh i keep seeing tiger lilies at the end she's like oh yeah, like that's something that my husband always buys me and that's like our symbol. And like we had an argument today, so I kind of really needed that. There. Yeah, so she was there more for like reassurance. Like everything's going to be okay. And like she had a doctor's appointment coming up. I'm like, oh, that message means it's going to be okay. Like sometimes people are just there to be like, I need like a tune-up for um, yeah. anxiety or I can't. What is this? Yeah. Yeah, like, so everyone comes for different reasons, and it's just the healing is providing you whatever it is that you need at that time. Is it exhausting for you? Because if they're feeling, like, grief, like you said, around her heart, do you physically feel that yourself? Mm -hmm. At first, yes. Like, afterwards, I'd be like, whoa. But it was, like, at the time, though, I was so new to reading that... I wasn't grounding. So I was like just going there with them and then coming out and being like, not in my body. I was so hungry and thirsty and tired and out of it. And, you know, I was like, geez, I would never be able to do two people in one day with Reiki. Like, so since then I've worked with another teacher who does readings in person and online. And she's taught me how to like call my spirit back into my body afterwards um, allow the things to come without attaching to it or feeling like I need to fix it for them. 
Because sometimes I'd be like, oh, well, I'll just like try and take on some of that for you. <laughs> like, But really, that's not like you're kind of robbing them of their work. Their work for their soul is to get through this process. God, that's such a good way to look at it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So since then, I've learned a lot. And now I can do a session or two or three and even actually sometimes of energy afterwards. And then, yes, I am really hungry because I'm like, oh, it's just in another realm. I'm starving. <laughs> starving. Give me more water or like maybe I won't do anything else this evening because I just did all that. But learning like what works and what doesn't and how to ground or even sage after. Yeah. And that goes back to what you and Leanne were both saying earlier. That's just the beauty of being able to talk to and communicate with your body, <laughs> you know, and knowing that's, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So how do you detach? How, how did you learn? Like, did it, did she say something that clicked with you and then you, you figured it out or did that, was that a process for you as well? Oh, that was a process too. But like the teacher that I'm still kind of working with, I really liked her process the best. Like a lot of other teachers have told me, well, picture tree and like ground with the tree or go stand outside or go wash your hands with cold wa water afterwards. But it wasn't enough for me. So what my teacher now has taught me to do is to picture like the middle kind of of your stomach down sending an energy cord out through that part of the body to your feet and then connecting it to the earth and then the crystals, everything underneath the earth, right down to the heart chakra of the mother earth, keeping that cord there. And then from the stomach up, sending that connection up to like the central sun, to the divine, whatever words I want to use, yeah. keeping that cord there. And then drawing it so it's like back and forth. Like now all is grounded, all is still open, doing the process from that way. And then afterwards, asking my spirit to come back into my body because I am kind of traveling to do these readings to close my eyes and picture it coming back in through this middle of my stomach and telling my spirit it's safe to be in a human body, it's safe to be in the physical body, come back fully almost doing like a mini yoga nidra like I'll picture the top of my head the backs of my shoulders my fingers kind of going through the body parts to connect back to mother earth like fully ground again and then I will sage um, sometimes like if my hands have got warm from doing reiki I will wash them with cold water um yeah just being more of for me, it was like less of the physical practice of disconnecting and more of like the internal, how do I visualize this disconnection? That's amazing. Kala, that's exactly what we did with Katie in her meditation. Mm -hmm. It's all coming full circle for me. Like I'm just sitting here. I'm like, when you were talking about all these different things, I'm like, oh, that was me last year. Okay. All right. I'm on the right path. I'm, <laughs> I'm checking boxes. It's, it's been really, really cool to sit and listen to this for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Because yeah. you said a cord and that's the exact term Katie used. I wonder, Yeah. To plug in. Yeah. yeah. I, what is that called? Like that's what you learn in Reiki? Yeah. So that's the core part of that connecting is just like a grounding technique. So you can use it before reading. You can use it before Reiki. Okay. When I'm like, Oh geez, I'm like getting on that call with that person. Like, <laughs> there. or like, yeah. Grocery store where there's like a bajillion people and it's almost like your energy is like, like grounding back in, like you can do it for everything. Like probably every hour you could probably do it. <laughs> Yeah, I really have to do it with my focus for sure on a lot of things because I can be crazy <laughs> if I if I allow myself to, you know, I really can. I can go in either direction. I prefer, you know, knowing what I'm doing. <laughs> I just, you are such a light, Julianne. I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen. And I, I mean, I loved it. I hope we can do more stuff together and have you be a part of the conversation. Yeah, it was so easy talking with you guys. They're like being on the same wavelength. So I'm like, yeah, anytime, let me know. Let's do this again. Because I love like when we're all like in that like-minded wave together. Yeah. I had someone else that I'm having on my podcast this week and she calls it the second wave. So like us, who are kind of already had experiences. We're the first wave. Now we're going to take the second and third wave. 
of people How cool. to awaken. So I thought that was really empowering, but just like a cool way of explaining it. Like having these conversations, like if someone listens to this, they're going to be like, what's that? And then like, now we're helping the second wave, the third wave of light workers or people awakening. That's what it has to be. And that's what this is all about. We really wanted just to make it as easy as possible so that people can get information and then figure out if it works for them or not. We're, we're not here to sell anybody on anything. You know what I mean? Like it's just everybody's personal story and what works for them. And I, like you said, that, that wave of being, being there together and being able to, to navigate and walk through these topics is awesome. <laughs> you know, spread the knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we'll be in touch soon, Julianne. I would love to, I'm going to think of a million ways that we can, you know, keep these conversations going because we just, I learned so much and it connected so many dots. So thank you for your time and best thank of luck with all, that with us. all the things that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come and be a part of the HTC community on our various social media platforms. Simply search at Have the Combo and click around on the links to find ways that you can be involved. Talk soon.